Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's rather hard to miss the key thought of that hymn, isn't it? The word ashamed occurs eight times within that hymn and there's an additional one shame. The world in which we live doesn't like to talk about words like shame or ashamed anymore. Those words uh, suggest judgments. And the world, although misunderstanding and misapplying the passage, seems to like, above all other, the passage that says, judge not lest you be judged. The Bible, however, uses the word ashamed quite often. In fact, in the New King James Version, it occurs 105 times in the Bible. And if you read through all 105 of those verses, you'll find that in general it's used in three different ways. First of all, it is used in the sense of being ashamed of some moral failure, being ashamed of a sin. My dear mother would upon occasion, I'm afraid, when I was small, say to me, son, you should be ashamed of yourself. Especially when it came to what I would say or do to my little sister. Second, It's used in the sense of being ashamed of a failure. That I am confronted by failure, humiliated by it. I should have done that, but for one reason or another, I didn't. The third is that it's used of being ashamed through either disappointment or embarrassment. That I am disappointed because something I believed actually didn't occur. It wasn't true. Or I'm embarrassed to admit what I believe. And I think that is the sense in which it's used both in our hymn today and in the text that we're going to consider. Listen carefully as I read the words of Paul's epistle to the Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In Christ Jesus, whose powerful gospel message brings us joy and confidence and salvation. Dear fellow redeemed, there was a time in our nation's history when Christianity dominated the culture of our society. 
The scriptures or portions of the scriptures were included in public school textbooks. And unless a person were Jewish or simply a non-believer of any kind, it was pretty well assumed that most people would confess themselves to be Christians, at, at least nominally. The general truths of the Bible were well known. And biblical morality, while not always practiced, was recognized as the most acceptable way to live your lives. It was expected that most people in our society confess themselves to be Christians. That is no longer the case. We now live in a society where in many areas of the country and in many circles within society, it is not accepted to be a Christian. It is a society in which people tend to hesitate now to voice their support for rather common Christian teachings that marriage is a lifelong commitment between one man and one woman, or that there are really only two genders, male and female, as created by God. The temptation for us in our day is to perhaps be embarrassed by what the Bible teaches or certainly to be intimidated by fear into silence when other religion or morality issues are being discussed. My dear friends, we are not the first generation of Christians to face a hostile environment. The Apostle Paul was repeatedly beaten because of his faith. He was imprisoned for his faith. He was ultimately executed in view of his faith. And yet the Apostle Paul, who at one time violently opposed the Christian faith, refused to give up that faith. He refused to be silenced because of both the power and the importance of that gospel message. He was not ashamed to what or what in what he confessed. He refused to be silent for to fail to confess his savior was to deny him. To fail to share the gospel of Christ would endanger countless souls lost in sin and doomed to death. That, in view of God's love for him and the love for the world, was something Paul was unwilling to do. My dear friends, Satan is leading countless numbers of souls down a broad path to hell Souls lacking both faith and souls failing to be aware that judgment is coming. 
We cannot be silent. We must speak. Let us never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And the Apostle Paul tells us two reasons why. First, it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And secondly, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Yes, let us always confess with the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. While we indeed live in a time that is different externally from that of the Apostle Paul, the basic spiritual truths presented in the Bible are true for all of humanity for all of time. There is one true God in heaven above who created everything we see and experience. We are the special creation of God and so subject to Him. God's law demands perfection of us, of every human being. And no human being is capable of achieving that perfection. In fact, by nature, every one of us, unless we are led by the Spirit of God to believe in Jesus, is living in outward rebellion of God. There will come a time when every human being will stand before God and answer, give an account of their lives. And for those who have been led by the Spirit to trust in Jesus, they will be welcomed into eternal salvation. Those who have in unbelief rejected Jesus will suffer eternally in hell. These are the facts that face Every human being, you and me and everyone else, whether we believe them as led by the Spirit of God or whether we reject them. The question addressed to Paul by that trembling jailer in Philippi therefore remains the most important question that anyone can ever ask and which everyone ultimately must answer. What must I do to be saved? The Pharisees and the Greek philosophers of Paul's day pointed people to themselves and to their own works. In our day, society likewise points people to themselves and to their own works. But this doesn't work. It never has and it never will. The answer can only be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul told the jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. Let us examine why that's the case. Consider the problem of sin that faces us all. No one with eyes to see or ears to hear can deny the presence of sin in our world. Look at the genocide that is going on in China over against the Uyghur population. Consider the, the repression of the minorities in the by the military government in Myanmar in the most recent uh, CLC World Mission Prayer List 
Pastor uh, Ullman informs us that the wife of our key pastor in Myanmar was arrested because the military found some criticism of the government on her phone. Consider all of those people who are placed in prison camps because of their faith in North Korea. But we don't have to simply look outside this country, do we? We're surrounded by sin on every side. Think about the the school shootings that go on. Think about the deaths due to overdose. Think of the violence in American cities. And even then, we don't have to go beyond ourselves, do we? We confessed once again this morning that we are sinful in thought and in word and in deed. And we need help. And that help will not be found within ourselves. God doesn't, doesn't grade on a curve when it comes to sin. He doesn't measure sin on the scale of 1 to 10. But he talks rather about absolutely no sin versus any sin. Consider the words of James, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Think of Ezekiel's very stark observation, the soul who sins will die. The consequences of sin, any sin, is death. Something that no one ultimately can deny. And there's only one solution. That solution is not found in ourselves. For as Paul explains, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his, that is in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Jesus alone has the power to deal with the world's sin, including our sin. He alone is able to counter that, to defeat sin's master, Satan. Jesus alone was able to live that completely sinless life, perfect in any way. And Jesus alone then exchanges our sinfulness for His righteousness, His sinlessness. Jesus was able to do that. He was able to pay that penalty because He offered the blood of the Son of God Himself on Calvary's cross. That radical plan of God is what Paul calls the power of salvation. When Jesus died and then rose again the third day, God declared the world of sinners righteous in His sight. He freed us from sin and freed us from its penalty, death. These blessings are ours and every human being when God the Holy Spirit leads us to simply confess our sins and trust in that forgiveness. It doesn't matter who you are. Paul talked about Jews and Greeks. We can talk about any people group, anywhere. We're privileged in our CLC to have contacts with and to work with people on six different continents. People of different colors and, and languages and customs. And yet the Gospel is that power of God 
leading to salvation no matter who you are or where you live. Jesus is the world's Savior. And we become right with God. We gain the promises of forgiveness and life everlasting through Jesus. Let us never be ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for everyone who believes. That power leading to salvation. And it is the righteousness. And in that righteousness, that God reveals this from faith to faith. It's those words, that righteousness that is bestowed upon us that brings so much joy and confidence to sinners. The law of God demands a righteousness we can't approve. The gospel of God reveals that God gives us the righteousness we need to be able to stand before God without fear as we look ahead to the final day of judgment. Paul explains this later in his epistle to the Romans when he says through one man's righteous act, that man being Jesus Christ, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. And by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Paul explains that Abraham was declared righteous because of his faith. And this is true of every human being who places his or her faith in Jesus. They are declared to be God's children by grace and an heir of heaven. One of the experiences that I was privileged to share in while pastoring at Emmanuel in Mankato was a series of youth conferences. And we held one of them in southeast Indiana near the Creation Museum. And Dr. Menton, some of you may well have seen him or listened to him in person or on video, came one evening with two of his fellow uh, workers and presented things to the students. And Pastor Menton made a remark that kind of set everyone back. He said, on Judgment Day, I'm going to be hiding. Everybody looked at him. What? He said, yes, I'm going to be hiding behind the robes of Jesus' righteousness. That's what Paul says to you and me. That by God's grace through faith, we can hide behind the robes of Jesus' righteousness. That gift of righteousness, Paul says, is revealed from faith to faith. The exact meaning of that phrase is debated among students of the Bible. Some suggest that Paul is simply saying that salvation is gained by faith from beginning to end. And while that certainly is a scriptural thought, it's not what I believe Paul is trying to say. The phrase literally means is revealed out of faith into faith. God's plan of salvation gives you righteousness through your faith in Jesus Christ. Your faith was worked by the Holy Spirit at some time in the past, either through the sacrament of baptism, 
or as someone shared with you the gospel of Christ. God chose us, His children, to play an important role in the expansion of His kingdom. Even as many of you and I were brought by our parents to be baptized as infants, or as someone shared with you the love of God proclaimed in the gospel, so you and I have been chosen by God to do the same thing. From or out of the faith of others, you and I were brought into contact with God's Word in sacrament or spoken. And from and out of our faith, we are moved by the love of God to do that very same thing. To bring our children to baptism. To sit down with our friends and neighbors as God gives us opportunity. To share a message of hope in the midst of the darkness of this world. We are to implore others, as Paul encourages us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be his ambassadors, to plead with people, to believe that God has reconciled them to himself through Jesus Christ. We are privileged to share that hope, that certainty of salvation with others. And we can do that with joy and confidence. For the Spirit of God has promised that He will give us the words to share so that He might work through them. Dear friends, this is your mission festival today. On this day, we remind ourselves that we have been commissioned by our Savior to make disciples of all nations, to preach the gospel to every creature. Even as Paul was not ashamed of that gospel of Christ, let us never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is, after all, the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from our faith to others so that they might share in that faith and rejoice in a future secured through Jesus Christ. May we in faith indeed share our faith as God gives us opportunities to the honor of our Savior God and to the blessing of many, many people. Amen.